a few weeks ago when I heard that they had discovered Molly Tibbetts' body and had discovered the cause of her death. I mentioned to my wife, I hope that they will give this family time to grieve and not to just immediately politicize this young lady's death. And within 30 minutes, my hopes were dashed as people began to politicize this young lady's tragic demise. And it just grieved me that people are not being given the opportunity even to grieve for a short period of time before their loved ones are drugged into the political arena these days. The same thing happened with John McCain. And then with Aretha Franklin, the one who helped us to learn how to spell respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, with her politicization, with the political things that began to happen around her death, it became clear to me one of the things that's been going on in the church and in our country, and uh, it's been as we have been drifting further and further away from God in our nation, something is missing. Something is vanishing from the fabric of our country. And that something is respect. Let's face it, we live in a very rude world now. And unfortunately, people are becoming ruder by the minute. Uh, Common courtesy just isn't so common anymore. And the golden rule has been just thrown out the window. It seems that respect for people is at an all-time low in our country today. The prevalent kind of humor today is sarcasm, put-down humor, and the favorite targets of comedians today are those in authority, those in leadership, those who should be respected if for no other reason than because of their position. But the Bible makes it very, very clear that respect is one of those values that is the very essence of the Christian life. Uh, Scripture is very specific about this. We find that we are to respect parents. We are to respect people in authority. We are to respect church leadership. We are uh, to respect each other and even those we would call enemies. Wives are to respect and reverence their husbands, and husbands are to respect and reverence their wives. And if we think that someone doesn't fit any of the categories I've already mentioned, we're told that we should respect and honor all people. This is what it says in 1 Peter 2.17. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Now, Peter, later on in 2 Peter 3.17, gave us this warning. He says, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled people and fall from your own steadfastness. I'm afraid that there are many in our churches today who have not heeded this warning of Peter, and have been led astray 
by the error of unprincipled people. And so today, I want us to consider the why and how of showing respect and uh, to remind ourselves that we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. (coughs) Even though the world (coughs) is throwing respect out the window, as a follower of Christ, we must embody it. First of all, I want us to look at why we should respect everybody, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless of their decisions. And notice I'm saying regardless, not irregardless. If you're a follower on Facebook, or if you uh, spend much time on Facebook, you know that uh, the wrongness of using irregardless is uh, one of the big, big bad things that we can do today. So I am saying regardless of their behavior or beliefs, the Bible says every person should be treated with respect. First reason why is because God made everyone. David in Psalm 8 verses 4 and 5 says this, as he's considering just the vastness of God's creation. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. You see, everybody is created by God. And let's face it, God doesn't make junk. There are no worthless people. There are people who do worthless things. There are people who do wrong things, but they are all created by and loved by God. Even the most unlovable person is loved by God. Honor and respect doesn't mean we embrace or endorse what they do or what they believe, but we respect the individual as a creation of God. God isn't finished with any of us, is he? John Wesley uh, made it clear that we're always Christians under construction, moving toward perfection, being perfected in what? Being perfected in love. Paul puts it this way in his epistle to the Philippians, the third chapter, the 13th and 14th verses. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We are all a work in progress. And so let's not forget where you came from, where I came from, where that person that uh, you may be having a hard time respecting came from. John Newton expressed this sentiment in these words, When we look at the ungodly, we're not to hate them, but to pity them, nor have we any right to boast over them, for by nature and of ourselves, we are no better than they. So why do we respect everybody? Why, as Christians, should we be respecting everybody? First of all, because God made everybody. And next, because Jesus died for everyone. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19, For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, 
from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We may not think much of someone, but God does. In fact, he says they're worth dying for. The cross shows how much people matter to God. As I was thinking about this, I remembered Mike Warnke sharing in his testimony how he was in Navy boot camp and he wound up being housed with two Christians who just were determined to love him into the kingdom of God. And they kept doing nice things for him. They kept modeling what it was like to be a Christian and they kept trying to find an opportunity to share the gospel with him. And finally, on the day before boot camp was over, one of them came up and said, Mike, I just have to share with you about Jesus. And Mike had had it. He grabbed this man by the shirt and he flung him against the far wall where he wound up hitting his face, his nose actually, on the lavatory fastened to the wall. And he hit it so hard that his head bounced off and he'd broken his nose, and his nose was bleeding profusely as he turned around and sat up and said, Mike, I have to tell you about Jesus. And he said, why? Why do you have to tell me about Jesus? And this young man said, Mike, it's because I love you, man. And Mike Warnke said, you're sitting there in a pool of your own blood from a broken nose that I gave you, and you're saying you love me? You can't love me. And the gentleman said, Mike, you only say that because you don't know what love is. And Mike Warnke responded, said, okay, wise guy, what's love? And this young man wiped the blood from off the bottom of his face, and he held out his hand, and he said, Mike, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ hung on a cross and bled and died because he loved you. And if you're good enough for Jesus, man, you're good enough for me. We're supposed to love everyone because Jesus died for everyone. We're also supposed to love everyone. We're supposed to respect everyone because it shows that we are the Lord's. In 1 John 4, 8, it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. The Bible says that God is love, and if I know God, then my life is going to show love. Love always treats people with respect. Jesus said that no disciple is above his or her master. He not only told us to love, he embodied it. He exemplified it. If you look at the life of Jesus, he treated everyone with respect. The woman at the well, he treated with respect. The woman taken in adultery, he treated with respect. Nicodemus, he treated with respect. The rich young ruler that turned his back on the one who was offering him eternal life and walked away. Jesus loved and treated with respect. Peter, who denied him, Peter was treated with respect. Judas, who betrayed him, he was treated with respect. All those who crucified him and all of us who sin put him there. 
he treated with respect. If I am a believer, if I am a Christian, if I am a follower of Christ, then I'm going to treat other people the way Jesus treated people. So that brings us to something that we need to hear. And the church needs to hear this because we have drifted away from showing respect, especially those of us who are involved in uh, issues of social justice and just plain justice issues. We need to hear that we need to be showing respect. Those on the other side of uh, the spectrum who uh, are pulling for conservatism, they need to hear this. They need to be treating others with respect. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. In a world that's full of rudeness and disrespect, how are we supposed to be showing respect to others in practical ways? Here are just a few ways to do that. First of all, with our words, when we speak, we should be tactful, not just truthful. For the last three weeks, I've been talking about the power of our words. There is power in our words. There is power in what we say, and there is power in how we say it. Proverbs 15.4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. The primary way we show respect is with our words. This word wholesome in Proverbs carries with it the idea of healing or curative. And this verse reminds us that we need to pay attention to how we speak. Paul admonished us to speak the truth. How? In love. Speak the truth in love. The way we say something will go a long way in determining uh, how it is received. Sharon and I, for the last week or so, have been binge-watching a series called uh, Dr. Blake's Mysteries. And if you're looking for a good example of uh, what this uh, thing is that we're talking about, how to show respect to people and still be passionate about what you believe, I encourage you to watch Dr. Blake's Ministries because Dr. Blake has a way of showing respect to people that you would be surprised that respect could be shown to. Learning how to be truthful and tactful at the same time is an absolute essential of being respectful. Now, I heard a phrase the other day, and I, I want to share it with you because there's so much truth to it. People with tact have a lot less to retract. Now, I'm going to say that because it's just so true. I'm going to say it again. People with tact have a lot less to retract. Many people today don't understand this. They often confuse rudeness with frankness, and they'll say, oh, I just tell it like it is and let the chips fall where they may. Well, let me tell you, that's not necessarily being frank. That can be being mean and disrespectful to people. Now, I have run across several phrases that help us to grasp what tactfulness really is. That's just sometimes they're just a fine razor edge between tactfulness and brutality. 
And uh, so I just want to go through these and I just want you to know that they're a little hyperbolic. If they think it'd be a little hyperbolic. Uh, first one is tact is the ability to make a point without making an enemy. The second one is tact is when you tell someone to go jump off a cliff in a way that makes them look forward to the journey. Another one, tact is treating everybody as if they know what they're talking about. And that is so true. And also this last one here, tact is the art of telling someone he's open-minded when he's really just got a hole in his head. So how can we show respect? Number one, with our words. Number two, when we disagree, be gentle, not judgmental. One of these days, I'm going to give an account to God for myself, and everyone else is going to have to give an account for themselves. I'm not going to be given uh, the opportunity to blame anybody else for the things that I have done and chosen to do. I'm going to be accountable and I must own everything that I have done. I must take responsibility. If I don't take responsibility now, I will take responsibility then. You see, judgment belongs to God, not to me. I can disagree with you on any number of issues without becoming disagreeable or judgmental. Remember, telling the truth is not being judgmental, But if I use the truth to attack and beat people down, then I'm being wrong. Paul reminded us that if we don't have love, then people won't hear the message of truth that we want to proclaim. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. We can be right on an issue, but if we're rude about it, we're wrong. When we share our faith, we need to also be respecting, not rejecting. There is a uh, verse that you'll find in every one of my emails at the bottom and at the bottom of all of my correspondence, and it's 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, notice first of all, we sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. We put him above all else. We revere him and worship him above all else. And notice we sanctify him as Lord. And if we do that, then our lives are going to be different from the lives around us and people are going to be asking us what's wrong with us. And that's where the second half comes in. And be ready always to give an answer to everyone that asks you for a reason of the hope that is within you. You know, we can't argue people into heaven. We won't see them come to Christ if our attitude is turn or burn or you're going to die and fry while we go to the sky. If that's going to, if you have an attitude like that, when you're talking to them, you're not going to get very far. When we share our faith, we must do it with gentleness and respect. Next, I'm just going to skip over this quickly. When people are rude, respond politely. And uh, okay, I'll, I'll just go ahead and share this anyway. 
Uh, Paul uh, says in Romans 12, 17, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. He's saying, don't retaliate when someone is rude to you. Don't retaliate by being rude back. Finally, when we are served, be understanding and not demanding. I have read on several occasions in several different places that the rudest hour of the day is found right after church on Sunday. And the reason why is because that is where everybody goes to the restaurants. And waiters and waitresses will tell you that the church crowd is the lowest tipping and rudest bunch that they have to serve all week. A sad indictment on the church And that's one of the reasons why I'm sharing this, because we're going to be answerable for how we treat other people when we stand before the Lord. But the best place to practice this and to start practicing this and the place where it needs to begin is at home. Now, I know people who treat their families in ways they would never consider treating a stranger. They say hurtful things to their families that they would never consider saying to someone they didn't know. And that's not right. And so I want to close today with a poem I ran across the other day. It's written by an anonymous author, and it's entitled, A Stranger Passed By. I ran into a stranger as he passed by. Oh, excuse me, please, was my reply. He said, please excuse me too. I wasn't watching for you. We were very polite, this stranger and I. We went on our way, and we said goodbye. But at home, a different story is told, how we treat our loved ones, young and old. Later that day, cooking the evening meal, my son stood beside me, very still. When I turned, I nearly knocked him down. Move out of the way, I said with a frown. He walked away, his little heart broken. I didn't realize how sharply I'd spoken. While I lay awake in bed, God's still small voice came to me and said, While dealing with a stranger, common courtesy you use, but the family you love, you seem to abuse. Go and look on the kitchen floor. You'll find some flowers there by the door. Those are the flowers he brought for you. He picked them himself, pink, yellow, and blue. He stood very politely, not to spoil the surprise. You never saw the tears that filled his little eyes. By this time, I felt very small, and now my tears began to fall. I quietly went and knelt by his bed. Wake up, little one, wake up, I said. Are these flowers you picked for me? He smiled. I found them out by the tree. I picked them because they're pretty, like you. I knew you'd like them, especially the blue. I said, son, I'm so very sorry for the way I acted today. I shouldn't have yelled at you that way. He said, oh, mom, that's okay. I love you anyway. I said, son, I love you too. And I do like the flowers, especially the blue. As we go forth from this time we've had together, may the Lord have mercy on us as we continue 
to grow. In Jesus' name, amen.